This podcast is a member of WGPRN, WildGamesProductions.com. Welcome, folks, to Darker Days. Yes, we're back with another episode this week, episode number nine. I am Vince, your host, along with Mark, my co-host. Mark, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, actually. A little bit fluey today, so if I if I start rambling incoherently, you can put it down to the fever. But other than that, yeah, uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, welcome, folks, yes, to another episode of uh, Phil Wheatley Presents Dark Days Radio. <laughs> good to have you all here. And uh, this week, uh, the Chuck Man have cometh. That's right. <laughs> Chuck Wendig What's is up, on guys? our show. How you doing, Chuck? I'm, I'm super. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. I'm glad you are. We, uh, I've been looking forward to uh, speaking with you because of the Hunter lines, one of my favorite lines for the uh, the World of Darkness. And we have quite a few questions from our listeners and from me. So, uh, Mark, you still there? I am indeed still here. Yeah, <laughs> Chuck, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on board. Um, I'm not uh, as familiar with the Hunter line uh, as Vince's, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stuck in and, and seeing where we go. Awesome. Let's do it. Well, let's break into uh, the mail, Mark. We probably don't have too much mail this week, but uh, reach down there deep and see what we got. Well, there's uh, one mail, (laughs) one whole mail. Mm. That's not surprising given that this show is being recorded less than a week since the last one went out, but there you go. So the mail this week comes from uh, Alakov, who's asking us if we want to cover the uh, Mummy the Resurrection game at some point. Um, So Alakov, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's got a fascinating little history there from its uh, inception as a supplement for Vampire the Masquerade through to a, uh, its own splat book during the second edition era and then the revised era hardcovers. So definitely it's on the list and uh, we'll get around to that. Um, we couldn't leave it at just one mail, of course, though. So I decided uh, in my boredom to go looking into our spam folder. Oh, okay. um, so, you know, what kinds of spam would we be receiving here at Darker Days? Let's get you in trouble well, you know, doing that. <laughs> There's the usual offers to show me how to become a sexual titan, uh, improve the size of my apparently inadequate manhood, um, requests from a <laughs> bewildering variety of businesses and lotteries and charities, all of whom simply want to give me money. I tell you, Vince, we even made it. You know, we are rich, buddy. Uh, just look in that folder. We've got thousands and thousands coming our way. Woo! It occur- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it occurred to me, though, that this would actually be a really cool hook for a World of Darkness or Hunter game, uh, communicating through uh, networks of spam. You know, the whole kind of like the Network Zero idea from Hunter the Vigil. Nobody reads this stuff. You could hide all sorts of super secret information in there um so no you know, those cheap, yeah <laughs> those uh those cheap canadian medicines they could really actually be based on vampire vitae uh, mm. the offer to and i'm quoting here turn my tiny knob into a huge wand <laughs> might do just that or uh, maybe it's a secret initiation into a cult of atlantean sex wizards or uh, maybe some of these messages are leaking through from a parallel reality where we really did win eight hundred thousand pounds on the lottery um, so anyway, that's the mailbag this week. Mind me the resurrection and unparalleled sexual potency all in one. Uh, who could ask for more? Uh, uh, not me. No. <laughs> <laughs> also, Done. Uh, Sold. <laughs> also, a quick shout-out to uh, three new members over at the forums, uh, Braggadocio, Law, and Ravenna. Uh, hi, guys, and uh, welcome aboard. Welcome to all our new members, and let's move on to our network news. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, and uh, <laughs> as Mark, you'll have the little children laughing in the background. That's your favorite part, isn't it? It just is, yeah. Can't get enough scary children. That's right. Uh, so, like, first uh, for the WGPR and, and Network News, I want to welcome Mark, another Mark. Right, Mark? Mm-hmm. And yes, indeed, yeah. <laughs> and his new show, Liquid Weird. I've been, uh, I downloaded a couple of the episodes so far, so good. Uh, Mark is really busting out the information about uh, different shows and how to, uh, different shows, different RPGs and how to create crafts. And he brought some special guests on. He's uh, working his way up. He has about eight episodes like us, but we have nine now, so we're in the lead. Mark, you have that website? Yeah, pipping ahead, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, it's uh, www.liquidweird.net. Um, like Vince says, it's a mostly gaming podcast, covers RPGs, you know, from D&D and World of Darkness to more indie games like uh, Mouse Guard and The Aurus Essence, plus a little look at fantasy authors and general geek interest. It's very cool indeed, so uh, yeah, check it out, liquidweird.net. And, also, and with a name like Mark, how can he go wrong? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Also, uh, we have Now Playing that's on the network with Matt Buffington and Olivia. Uh, waiting for mm-hmm. them for their second episode. I know they're having a little bit of difficulties, but I'm sure they will. And by the way, I heard that, Olivia, you were judging me on that statement. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the end of the network news. Uh, we did have some uh, White Wolf news. Uh, I had an update from uh, Warchild, I believe it is. Right, Mark? Yeah, uh, Warchild does a um, a podcast for uh, the, for the Eve Online game, and uh, uh, on a on a tip from uh, from Warchild, it turns out that um, rumor has it that CCP and White Wolf are having some kind of private party on September the fifth, where uh, the rumor has it that they may well be unveiling something for the World of Darkness Online game. Uh, looks like a, a local nightclub has been rented out and is going to be decked out as the Succubus Club. Now, it could well be a little bit of time before anything concrete comes out, but maybe things are moving along, and uh, we hear also that CCP have trademarked the name Vampire the Requiem for a computer game, so uh, we're not going to put Chuck on the spot just now and demand that he spill whatever secrets he knows, but uh, we'll we'll stay (laughs) tuned. Because they'll kill me. They'll kill me. (laughs) Right now, which would be a great moment to show, because I'll just die and be captured in podcast history. (laughs) Damn you, CCP, and those NDAs. So, uh, in a couple of days, maybe we'll have something more to report, but check out on the next show, and we'll uh, we'll see what there is to say. I know that's probably one of the uh, big questions a lot of people keep asking on the forum, so uh, there is some information, some updates. Hopefully, Warchild will come back and give us some more updates as uh, time progresses, and let us know what's going on. Well, we kind of have ourselves we have ourselves to blame a little bit in that regard because in our first show we were all like, "Yeah, we're going to provide you with regular news on World of Darkness Online," and it took us about I don't know ninety seconds to get through everything we could find out, <laughs> and that's nothing since. So. All we said was it's coming out soon. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that ends that. Mark, we're going to go on to your favorite and everybody's favorite segment of the show. What's that called, Mark? Scary children. Uh, sorry, uh, secret frequency. Okay. Bring it on. Yeah. Okay. Okay, folks. Uh, this episode, the secret frequency tunes into the International Necronautical Society. Now, mapping the afterlife. Uh, it's an ancient discipline. Uh, from sources as diverse as the Tibetan Book of the Dead, Egyptian Book of the Dead, uh, the medieval uh, death dance uh, inscriptions. In the modern era, um, 
it has a more artistic bent to it. The International, International sorry, Necronautical Society are artists who, through their art, wants to map, enter, colonize, and eventually inhabit the realms of death. Their ultimate aim is the construction of a craft that will convey them into death in such a way that they may, if not live, then at least persist there. Uh, the INS was founded in 1999 to investigate the role of death in literature, art, and culture. And through art, they hope to be able to tap into the afterlife, to learn its secrets and map its hidden pathways. But exactly what kind of art are we talking about here? Then? What do these people actually practice? What do they get up to? Well, as an example, uh, in Amsterdam in 2001, the INS uh, reconstructed a Mafia Street shootout that occurred in Amsterdam a few years earlier in 98, which resulted in one death. Um, the shootout, that is, not the reconstruction. <laughs> they had uh, moments and gestures and events from the original shootout, uh, and they isolated these and uh, reenacted them, first on a, a kind of a big grid square on the street, you know, literally place by place, step by step, completely accurate to the original shootout, uh, surrounded by cameras. And then they did it in a wind tunnel at the cost of, you know, 5,000 bucks a day, uh, using real guns, of course. Uh, so, uh, so that kind of art. Um, now, admittedly, the International Necronautical Society sounded a bit like a crackpot offshoot of the Society for Psychic Research or something like that. But they reject literal interpretations of their endeavors. For them, it's about the art. Yes, they claim to wish to create a craft to carry themselves beyond death, but for the Necronauts, craft can denote a vehicle, a technology, or it can denote a craft in the sense of know-how, like cutting and planing as the craft of the carpenter. One such craft is the proposed drug Thanadrine. Uh, they intend to synthesize this drug Thanadrine and use it to induce death-like states, you know, much like ketamine is. Uh, been used to induce uh, near-death experiences. So it's clear where we're going with this. You have a bunch of slightly mad artists who, by means of uh, interpretive dance or whatever, uh, <laughs> seek to map out the afterlife. So for the purpose of World of Darkness games, uh, what if it works? Now, there are a lot of groups in the World of Darkness that try to reach beyond uh, the shroud that separates the living from the dead. There's nothing new there. You know, similar groups from the old world of darkness included the Orphic Circle, the Wisteria Prophets, the Virgilian Foundation for Thanatoic Research. These three in particular are very much like the uh, Necronauts in Outlook. But what's cool about the International Necronautic Society is that they're regular folk. They're not mages. They're not mediums. Uh, they're not supernatural beasties. They're just artists. Uh, they're kind of a fringe group in that regard, which makes them uh, perfect fodder for your games. And as a hunter is the general theme for this show, let's, let's cast them in that light, that light first. How might we use these guys in a hunter game? Well, there's an obvious, you know, the first obvious use is the hunters might hear about the uh, International Necronautical Society. They might learn that the Necronauts have had unexpected success in producing consistent and recognizable maps of the afterlife. Uh, these maps might end up drawing the attention of those who know the truth about these things. Abyssal mages, or Giovanni vampires, or Sin Eaters. Uh, and where these groups emerge from the shadows, the hunters can be close behind. Maybe you've got a, a close NPC, a family relative, or a friend, or a loved one, who's become infatuated with the group. Uh, they have to be saved before, before something horrible happens to them. Maybe you've got an occult force at work behind the uh, INS. Maybe there's a mage who's manipulating them to use them to map the afterlife without drawing attention to himself. Or you have a vampire looking to make contact with a long-dead lover. 
uh, or a powerful wraith who is teaching them a ritual expressed as art, which will then tear a hole in the shroud for whatever nefarious purpose might be at hand. And this, for example, might tie in well with the uh, Geist Quickstart adventure, which had a plot very similar to that. Uh, the Necronauts also make for cool antagonists because, well, simply put, they don't know, they don't know what they're doing. Um, other groups like the Orphic Circle or the Sons of Tertullian or whomever, they might have all sorts of sinister motives for meddling with the underworld. The Necronauts, well, they just want to make great art. The road to hell, of course, is paved with such foolishness. Um, of course, that makes them hard to combat. You know, if they won't stop what they're doing, what do you do about it? Arrest them? For what? Unlicensed mime? Um, scare them away? Uh, they'd probably just enjoy it. Kill them? Really? Mm. Kill innocent artists? Yes. Well, okay, maybe just kill them a bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, there you have it. Another, another glimpse from the real world into your World of Darkness games, the uh, International Society of Necronauts. Uh, so next time you're shopping at the mall and you spot a group of guys in black leotards leaping about the place to strange percussion music, just take the time to drop a few pennies in their hat. You never know what strange spaces are being mapped by them just beyond the borders of the living world. Wow. Wow. Where did we find that one this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little a little more lighthearted than normal, but I just had this overwhelming image of the guys from the Praise You video by uh, Fatboy Slim, and then all of a sudden the uh, walls between reality rip open and Neverborn comes shambling out or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not lighthearted, Neverborn. Coming shambling out, by the way. That's, <laughs> that's not light and cheery. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was some great news there. Uh, <laughs> boy. Okay, let's move on to our old World of Darkness segment, or classic, as Mark likes to always repeatedly beat into my head. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, how do you refer to the original World of Darkness? Oh, original, classic, or, or what? Diet. I refer to it as Diet World of Darkness. No, um, yeah, you know, usually old, old World of Darkness, um, pr- previous World of Darkness. You know, yeah. classic is good. I like classic. Okay. Well, anybody, anybody who's anybody, which would be nobody, knows that Chuck is one of the people that did work on the original Hunter line. I did. And he's very proud of it. I'm, I am very proud of it. No, it's actually very serious. I love that game line. It's a very good, good game line. Mark and I have uh, put together some information about it. Mark, what have you found out about the uh, information here? Well, what I liked about what I liked about Hunters generally is is the uh, the fact they've always they've always been in the world of darkness. You know, Hunter has its own game line now and had its own game line uh, Hunter the Reckoning uh, toward the end of uh, the old world of darkness. Um, but they've actually been in there as part of the game world way way back uh, when they were just antagonists for uh, Vampire the Masquerade. You know, you're classic Van Helsing types um, and these are still good for all incarnations of the game to this day it's a, it's a great archetype, it's easy for players to understand um, also, and uh, we're still way back in the days of Vampire First Edition uh, a book came out called The Hunters Hunted uh, which I recall was just met with real excitement back then you, know, you can play hunters, uh, they have true faith they have hedge magic, uh, great stuff and that's still a cool supplement to this day um, and if you can get a hold of a physical copy or a, or a PDF of it, uh, it's worth uh, just taking a look anyway. The early sections of it are very fluff-heavy, uh, almost no mechanics in there at all. And it still stands up to scrutiny in, uh, in the, the modern world of darkness as well now. Um, it promotes the ideas of hunters being solitary rather than operating in groups. Um, recent years, hunters got a little bit more splat-heavy. Um, so lone hunters, you know, and it's, it's, it's a less popular concept for playing as a group. 
uh, because by definition, you're, there's a group of you, you know. Um, but take a look at this for your modern games, and I know Hunter the Vigil supports this. Strip back the population, uh, make the hunters rare, make them feared. Uh, and if you have a small playing group of two or three players, uh, it's, it's a good model to follow. Um, there was a bunch of books that uh, followed on after that that featured these hunter groups in more detail, and they became very prominent um, in World of Darkness Canaan. Uh, things like the FBI Special Affairs Division, the NSA, the Arcanum, uh, the Inquisition, the Society of Leopold. Uh, it also featured the Children of Osiris, uh, a vampire uh, clan with a really crazy discipline called Bardo. Um, they were later retconned out of existence, which I, I'm kind of torn whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, because on the one hand, I thought they were kind of silly, but on the other hand, you know, I thought uh, the children of Osiris were also pretty cool as a, as a, as a concept, so I'm in mixed minds about that. Um, and this Hunter's Hunted book also had, uh, I was looking through it today, it had Kanglor the Lupine, which just from a historical point of view, I thought was great, uh, because... You know he's there before there even was a, a werewolf game, and he's you know he's got vampire stats, but the guy's clearly a werewolf, um, so that was fun. Uh, these hunter groups they got expanded coverage in the Old World of Darkness Year of the Hunter series, which is an awesome series of books, some of the best general uh, Old World of Darkness books for hunters, um, and they're super useful for New World of Darkness games as well. Um, the Halls of the Arcanum book makes for a brilliant group of scholar researchers. Uh, you know, if you're familiar with Anne Rice, they're basically just a Talamasca. Um, sorry, say again? Didn't say anything. Nope. Okay, sorry, I'm just getting a bit of feedback. Uh, just feedback here, sorry. Um, yeah, the Arcanum has good fluff, uh, good resources, some good maps, NPCs, nice plot ideas. Um, the FBI Special Affairs Division and related government groups got good coverage in a book called Project Twilight. And that can fit in any game, um, modern uh, or old. It's well-developed organizationally, and it has what I think to this day is still one of the best gaming resources out there, which is Bob Schnobden's Pyramid of Satanic Power. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever saw this. No. Did you see that, Chuck? You know what I mean? Uh, no, I, I recall it, no? but no, it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like this. It, Bob Schnobblin is a sort of a, he's a parody of Fox Mulder, uh, and uh, the, he has this organogram, uh, his ramblings on how he thinks the world is put together, and it's a one-page picture, uh, clearly done by a guy who's. Uh, not entirely in the right mind, and scattered throughout are these little nuggets, uh, mentions in you know, Clan, Ventru, and the Prometheans, and the Serpent Pupil from the Hollow Earth, all tied together in this crazy rambling depiction of what a mortal guy might think the world of darkness really looks like from the outside. Hmm. Um, loads of fun. Uh, and the Inquisition, of course, later got used in the Dark Ages line, as we, we covered that in uh, an earlier show, show episode one or two, I think, Vince, I don't really recall. Uh, I think it was two, maybe three. Yeah, was I it? Had yeah, fun, way back when. I had fun running that with my group. So. Uh, anyway, the important thing about these books is that they really make it clear that dead normal mortals have not missed what's going on in the world of darkness. And this helps ground the games, helps counterbalance the fantastic with the mundane. These are enemies who, you, you know, you just can't go and kill them, not unless you want the entire FBI coming after you. Um, so it's no longer the issue of just a couple of lone hunters to worry about. Uh, you've got the uh, amassed might of several large government agencies breathing down your neck. And uh, then came The Reckoning, and the game line named after it, Hunter The Reckoning. Uh, now, I remember when this came out, me and my buddies were just like, oh, it's the Buffy game, you know, <laughs> which was a really big hit at the time. Mm. Uh, we really just, that was the impression. We got. I mean, was that much of an inspiration, would you say, Chuck, or uh, is that just a uh, kind Buffy? of a, a pub? 
Yeah. No, no. Actually, it was um very. I know this sounds weird, but it was kind of an anti-inspiration. Like uh, Hunter the Reckoning didn't want to approach it from that sort of funny kind of almost parodic type elements. Um, you know, yeah. we wanted to be that sort of gritty. Holy crap! Everybody's going to lose. You know, you, you could. You know, you're about to steer the whole uh, world into a terrible accident. Can you sort of steer it? You know, so everybody doesn't die. Can you save a few people while killing most of them? Um, whereas Buffy tends to be a little bit more over heroic. Um, so yeah. it didn't really quite quite gel with that. Right, and once we actually looked into it, of course, you see that's not the case. But I remember when it first came out, we were like, oh, it's a Buffy game, but no. Well, and the, the, um, the art I, didn't help either because it's a girl with a stake on the cover of the one. Yeah. The one it's like, you know, hey, look, it's Buffy. She's right there. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see her. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, was was it tied particularly into, into the meta plot of the time, you know, the whole uh, reckoning leading up to Time of Judgment? Uh, or is it something that had been brewing before then? I, I don't know how long it had been brewing before that point because I had been brought on at the time of reckoning. Um, but I know it was certainly a big thing, you know, that had been figured into the meta plot for, um, you, you know, up before I got there. Certainly it was kind of this whole, um, you know, they were building to the Gehenna, to the Apocalypse, and reckoning was certainly the sort of the presaging to that. It was releasing the demons, and then when the demons came, it was this whole, you know, shit hits the fan kind of a thing. I can say shit hits the fan, yeah. right? We have a, have you can indeed. We, you we can say it twice, books. in fact. Shit hits the fan. I'll say it three times. Three times a charm. <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely shit. part of it. Definitely a part of the meta plot. Um, uh, you know, a big uh, cornerstone to that. Not cool. Yet. Now I'm gonna make well, this podcast explicit now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, though, um, it always struck me that uh, you, it doesn't need to be attached to the meta plot. And if you wanted to use some of it for inspiration in, in the New World of Darkness game, not that you maybe need to, given there's also Hunter the Vigil, um, but it struck me that you don't necessarily need the Heralds uh, or the Time of Reckoning. You could, for example, rule that these kinds of hunters have al- always existed. Um, now, if that's, if that's true, though, of course, how might that affect your game world? That's something that the storyteller would need to take on board. Uh, would it right. make your supernatural creatures even more cautious than they already are uh maybe they're on the run you know maybe these hunters aren't as rare as you might think they are and s- the supernatural beings of the world of darkness are really having to keep their heads down uh and this uh, for listeners who tied it who uh tuned in last show this ties back into the uh discussion we had about lowering the population of all your supernatural creatures across the board uh making them much rarer and giving a whole more spookier tone to it okay um and I'm going to take a closer, like a closer, real look into this. Uh, I'm going to get little fact points out about this, and if some of them are wrong, I apologize. I haven't played Hunter in a long time, so Chuck, you could probably jump in here and say, "Uh, no." Well, yeah, hey, I forget these things too. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I barely remember to tie my shoes and wear pants. So, well, that's important. Uh, you don't want to go to jail because we need you to write more books for us to play. So. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get on that right now. Hold okay. on one second. Uh, so basically. Uh, <laughs> From what I remember, you're uh, you get a wake up call from the heralds telling you that monsters exist all around you. They could be your doorman, your postman, or even the paperboy. So uh, you never know. And hunters have the ability of second sight, which allows the hunter yeah. to actually see the monster from within. Now, where'd you get your inspiration for that certain ability for all the hunters, Chuck? Uh, well, I didn't get the inspiration. They just told me that that was true, and I agreed with them. <laughs> uh, no, I came on. Um to give you a little quick tiny bit of history, I came on with um, uh, Hunter Book Wayward mm. is when I first started writing mm. for White Wolf. So by that point, the Hunter whole thing had been, it was ready to go and the book was out and actually about half the books were already out by that point. Um, so I don't know exactly where it came from, but I, I know that they wanted to give Hunter some way 
um, some edge, quote-unquote, and of course they also have edges, hmm. uh, but some edge over the monsters that's just beyond the, hey, I'm a normal guy, I have a bat, I'm going to beat a vampire in the head. Uh, so it's this whole thing that you can see the vampires and you can affect the vampires in certain weird little ways. Right, and then uh, the heralds also gave you edges, which are pretty much the hunter's uh, powers, quote-unquote, mm. was right. special things that they can do. Uh, I don't remember the you know, offhand because it's been a while. Mark, well, you know, yeah, you're, you could have a bat that glowed with holy fire. You could tag a thing with sort of black smoke so other hunters could see the black smoke, but no monsters could see the black smoke. Um, you could do cool. some cool stuff like redemptive powers. So, um, you know, the edges were always kind of a weird... The interesting thing about edges is they didn't have a standard progression from one to five. Like, you know, you look at a power scale today and it's like one is a smaller thing, two is a slightly bigger thing, three is a bigger mm. thing, up until five. Well, the edges were designed as in like the first dot was what would a hunter need most right now? So sometimes the first dot was actually somewhat powerful. Yes. Um, but then the second dot would be something that was a little less versatile but more specific and it would kind of branch out that way. It wasn't necessarily a power scale until, of course, you got to the unbuyable fifth dot, which was a crazy explosion of <laughs> Rage and Hunter awesomeness. Massive explosion of power, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pro, pretty much. Uh, also, uh, you, you're a type of hunter in the book, as I described. You could decide you could straight out kill these monsters, try to redeem them through different ways, or just study them to help the efforts of all the other hunters out there. I know there was a couple. There used to be uh, Hunter.net, I think there was. It was supposed to be a fictional uh, internet for all hunters to gather up and give information to each other. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. I like that, yeah. I don't know if it still exists. It probably is long gone, but. It, yeah, I love that. That was a great aspect of that whole game. And I did like that one book that was put. I think it was with the zombies. All the hunters told their stories and all the letters that they got about their dealings with yeah, zombies. Yeah, Walking Dead. Yes, Walking that's Dead. Absolutely. Walking Dead. Yes. Mm. Uh, let's see. Hunters uh, realize that uh, once they start the good fight, that uh, friends and family are no longer an option in their life. So, and there's quite a bit of flaws in the book, so you can go through the book forever and find various flaws to keep your hunter pumped out there and going, such as terminal yeah, illnesses. Yeah, the, the flaws for Hunter were um, very different. They were like, you know, I owe back taxes. Like They were really, really kind of like mundane people flaws that <laughs> made a very interesting, complex uh, character. What I like about this is um, what strikes me, one of the... The whole idea of the hunters, you've got these people who can see things that others can't. They're divorced and separated from their families. Uh, they're, they're, they're really thrust almost then to the edges of society, you know. And yeah. I remember reading about the second sight, and one of the first things that occurred to me as I'm reading it is like, well, what if it's wrong, you know? I love the right. idea of these people who, who, you know, oh, the postman, he's a vampire. I'm going to kill him. Um, and no, he's, he's not a vampire at all. He's just the postman. And now you're on the run from the law. And that doesn't, doesn't fit into the hunter ethos because the idea of being the second sight works. But I just love the idea of people going around seeing things. Uh, Bob's a monster. He's a monster. You know? uh, well, and that was actually being part of it. They, um, they, uh, they, they kind of wrote into there that idea that uh, you know, hunters might actually feel crazy. You know, that was part of it. Yeah. Like, hey, I vampire, I'm gonna I killed him, oh my god, because he turned to ash or he reverted to a normal human being or whatever the, the mythology was at that particular point. But, you know, holy crap, I'm actually just crazy. This isn't real at all. You know, I'm just totally uh, I think I think something uh, really successful could be made out of that, you know, a short term chronicle or if you're playing with just one or two players, you could get focus right in close and do a whole kind of psychodrama thing there where am I actually a hero of the night or am I just a, a nutter with a bat? Right, right. Well, my take on hunters, they were really powerful. I mean, Hunter the Reckoning, they were really badass, really powerful. Uh, you can pretty much run around as one hunter and take out a group of vampires. I remember doing this as a hunter myself. So, 
they were uh, badass, from my opinion. So they were pretty badass. I, uh, I certainly enjoyed playing them. Yeah. Yeah, it was that potent. I, I never played them. It was, they really were that potent, eh? Yes. It uh, it definitely, and we'll see in a second, that uh, from the old Hunter to the new Hunter, there was a big change in, uh, I guess, how they're powered-wise, I would say. But we'll get on to yeah. that in mm-hmm. a second. Uh, I think that wraps up the uh, original Hunter. Mark, do you have any last comments about this? Um. The one thing that, I, that Hunter has struck me about actually has very little to do with the canonical world of darkness. Uh, I had this kind of crazy idea in my head for a while uh, about a uh, an alternate world setting, a fantasy setting, if you will, that uses the splats from the world of darkness, old or new, and just completely casts them in a totally new light. Uh, um, so, so you know, your hunt. If it's a, if it's a fantasy setting, your hunters can be recast as uh, as holy knights or champions of a certain cause, and their edges can be put toward that. You know, uh, your mages could be priest kings. Um, your vampires and the, the different different vampire clans they need not be undead at all. Uh, they simply could be groups of people with with different sets of powers. And for some reason, every time I think about hunter, I, this idea keeps kind of cropping up in my head that this. That you could take a toolkit approach to them and totally rework them and, and completely reskin them as something uh, utterly different to a, to a modern horror game. Um, so not entirely on topic there, but that's just one thing that I can't quite get out of my head. Interesting. Well, the, um, the 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 Dark Ages um, did that a little bit with because um, the Inquisition had uh, things yeah, like yeah. conviction, like uh, the Reckoning Hunters had the conviction trait, and so they were. Uh, I don't want to say they were a reskin of the Reckoning Hunters, but they had elements of that. Carried up into their, to be to, as these sort of holy uh, holy inquisitors. Yeah. So you're definitely on a valid uh, train of thought there. Oh well, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> definitely. All right, so that'll wrap up that. Uh, let's move on to uh, the hunter, the vigil, which is uh, all the raids with all the mm-hmm. kids right now. And uh, let's uh, let's set the mood for this. Super popular. <laughs> Little background music for you guys. So basically, Hunter the Vigil. What can we say about this? Hmm. It's awesome. Please buy it. How'd that, how'd that go? That good? Yeah, that that works <laughs> out well too. Uh, I'm enjoying it, reading it, and I will be playing it in my group. I'm starting my players out as mortals, and there'll be the Vigil will open up for them. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But my opinion, they seem a lot weaker compared to what they used to be. I don't know, maybe you guys scaled it back because that's what they wanted, or that was the feedback. there's a few things there as to kind of what happened. Um, First of all, we wanted to make sure that hunters were very potent, but they were potent more in groups than they were as individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the Reckoning Hunters were a little more potent individuals rather than in groups. Um, You know, this idea that, you know, if if mankind kind of represents a cattle herd, and if you spook the herd, well, they can stomp any, you know, any big bad vampire that that comes in their way, because, you know, Humanity has the the numbers more or less, so you know yeah. with with hunters in groups in the vigil, you get not only do you have the endowments if you're on a conspiracy angle, but you also have the things like tactics and risking willpower and stuff that become all the more powerful with the more people you have. So that that's certainly part of it. Um, though I, I and I will say in groups they can be very powerful. They can take down hmm. uh, having run the game a few times now, they can take down things you did not expect that they could take down in groups. So let, me, it's like, oops. let me interject oops. here real quick while these people are probably wondering some people that don't have the hunter line, which they should be buying, because Chuck said to buy it. And what Chuck right. says, Chuck goes. Uh, <laughs> there are three different tiers of hunter you can pick. There's basically tier one which is cells, like you know, a group of 
two to twelve people around there, small. And then you have the compacts, which would be like, you know, the bigger groups. Just large enough that they're over twelve, but what is it, under a hundred usually? Fifty, something like that. It's yeah, not I much. Mean, yeah, they're kinda they're kinda tweaked for your however you need them for your games, but yeah, right. they're in the lower end of the spectrum, sure. Right, and the compacts are pretty much uh the basic thing I've gotten out of using compacts is that you you're networked, you have a lot more support. Uh, you have people to go on for allies, uh, such and things like that. Now, this is where the fun starts is the conspiracies, Tier 3. Mm. Tier 3 is when you get all the endowments and the special powers and all the good stuff that comes with all the hunter that you remember from the good days. That's just my take <laughs> on the three tiers. Uh, one I like the three-tier system. Awesome. That... Sorry? Oh, I was about to say, that's what's awesome, that you have your own, this is what you like about it, is the conspiracy tier, that's kind of what you dig about it, but there are people who don't want to play conspiracy, I have a buddy who, he wants to play compact only, he's just, he, that's what he loves, he doesn't want to be the superpowered hunter, he wants to be the guy who's kind of alone, you know, and, and has this kind of group of like-minded weirdos who, you know, they have no magical powers or magical items or whatever right. the case may be, so there's, there, we try to really, um, you know, paint with a shotgun there and uh, give everybody a different kind of experience that they wanted. Right. Well, I think I think it's a real strength uh, of the new world of Darkness Line in general. Is this, and you hear it banded around a lot, the whole toolkit idea. Where in these three, you know, the first, second, and third tier characters for Hunter the Vigil, you you kind of have the ability to capture uh, a whole variety of different levels of organization that were scattered across the old world of Darkness Hunter things. You know, from. Right. Uh, little little individuals through uh, uh, small groups all the way up to things like the Arcanum or the Inquisition or Special Affairs Division. So I, re- I really appreciated that. That uh, mm. right written in there, written into the core is this uh, this toolkit approach where well, let's see where, where we want to set the dial. You know, one, two, or three. Right now, did I did I understand properly about the endowments that mm. their work as merits? Right. Right. Yeah. Is that is that is that in the same kind of way as in Second Sight that the psychic powers are in in Second Sight are described as as merits? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the same kind of idea. It's um, you know, with, cool. with mortal characters and stuff, you can kind of frame it as a, a little bit of a cheaper power and sort of a, mm. you know, this idea that any human can have it, and if they're given a certain you know, quote unquote, template. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I find in Second Sight, I thought that worked really well. Uh, so, you know, you don't have some guy who's got a vast spread of different kinds of powers. Maybe he's got a handful of merits here. Uh, like you said, I think that fits the whole mortal angle much, much better. That's good stuff. So my group, we're using actually compacts because I don't want them to be too powerful, but I want them to have that connection going on. I want them to have you know, a, maybe a safe house to run to, have some people to rely on, maybe get some type of weaponry going after a while. But I don't want right. them to have the, you know, Hunter the Reckoning style, as much as I love that stuff, the conspiracy uh, level endowments, pretty much. I just wanted you to explain, uh, Chuck, to go over real quick for our listeners. Now, Hunters have the ability, which is, uh, I don't remember seeing anywhere else, the ability to risk their willpower. True. So they can throw up a willpower point and risk it and uh, get some special benefits about with that. Can you just uh, explain briefly uh, how you came across this and how it works? Uh, well, as far as why we came across it, it's one of those things where, you know, we didn't want to mimic things from Reckoning just to mimic them, but we wanted to pull things from there if they were appropriate to what we were trying to do. And the uh, ability in Reckoning to take your conviction, which is a little bit more of a supernatural willpower, quote-unquote, uh, in that game, and risk it and gamble it 
and put it into play that way. Uh, it's something we carried over because thematically it's appropriate that, you know, okay, these normal human beings have this normal human willpower, but once they kind of set foot on the vigil, they're a little, you know, they're making a choice. They're making kind of a crazy person choice to, to go out there and step into the, 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 uh, into the shadows and fight monsters. Well, okay, so it's a gamble. That whole life is a gamble. So it, it kind of is a, um, you, know, you know, we wanted to have this thematic punch that when they, when they, you know, they put their willpower on the line. They put their lives in the line. That is always a gamble, and so putting willpower that way, you can get some of it back, or you can lose it all and dramatically fail. <laughs> yeah, you can get it back, and I believe uh, one of the benefits also is if you get three successes, it becomes five successes. Yeah, you can choose different ways to apply it. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the options. Um, three successes can become an exceptional success automatically. Uh, you can, you know, gain the standard bonus. You can gain, um, I think it's uh, nine again or eight again. Um, I don't have the book in front of me. Um, but yeah, and you can kind of apply them in different ways, however you you feel. Because I mean, different kinds of roles are going to uh, gain from different kinds of benefits. So, okay, it reminds me it reminds me a little bit of the old force point system from the old D6 Star Wars game, where uh, you'd spend a force point to do something, and if it went well or if it was appropriate to the light side, you'd get the force point back later. Mm. Uh, See, which was kind of nice. They do that yeah. with uh, the new Saga edition too. If you use as well as that, oh, okay. Yeah, if you're using your force power and you roll a twenty on it, you automatically uh, gain all your force powers back, and I think a point, I believe it is. I'm not too certain. I don't play too often. Okay, that's not my specialty. Mm. Bah, ah. the coast. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Chuck, Wikipedia says there's going to be a hunter board game. Uh, is that true? Oh, uh, there is a hunter board game already. Mm-hmm. Oh, so right. Oh, cool. So, oh, awesome. Uh, uh, I forget Deadly Prize, is what it's called. Hmm. Okay. I yeah, it's, it's great. We, we play tested it before it was actually on the board, so we got you know um, Ken Cliff, the developer there, who actually also developed Hunter the Reckoning, and who's the guy who hired me originally. Um, he sent uh, out these great little like you know cut out cards and stuff, like you know hand cut cards to to do play tests. So it was fun. Cool. Cool. I did have one uh, question about the compacts though. Uh, let's see. It's it's a merit you could pick, but I'm just curious how it works. As far as do you pick your status from the status feat, or is that replace the status feat by using the compact uh, merit? I said feat. Wow. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was going to say, did you say feat? Yeah. I, I, yeah. We just okay. talked about saga, and that just popped into my head. Wow. <laughs> Everybody in the forums right. can yell at me now. Go ahead. <laughs> No, um, do, you mean does the status compact, uh, compact status change regular status, or what, what? What's the question? I'm trying to figure out because you can pick a profession if you're not uh -huh. in tier three, which is something True. a little bit different. But then you pick your compact, whatever it want to be. Say you make up one on your own. You pick how many dots yeah. you, put, you pick your merit. And how many dots now does? You pick status to affect that, or is that replace status pretty much? Well, status actually, status is not a one and done kind of a thing. So, in other words, I can have status parentheses police force three. I can have stati uh, status parentheses the parent teacher association two. <laughs> and so, you can have actually, you know, five or six different status traits that cover your um your your particular status in any given organization. So, you can have status in a compact, status in a conspiracy. And um, and you can also have the a profession isn't uh, beholden only to those with compacts. You know, you can have them in the conspiracy as well. Any hunter will have a, a profession. Hmm. Okay, I just wanted to get that cleared up because I was a little confused on that and uh, just getting ready to play. So, well, cool. not, not the second, but you know, right? Well, I'll play. I'll play. I'm here. I have I dice. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so you guys walk into a building. There is a spooky monster in the background. What do you do? <laughs> Four orcs are guarding the chest. <laughs> Damn it. 
<laughs> he attacks and kills you. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, endowments, endowments, endowments. Uh, what made you think of the word endowments as opposed to edges again? Just want a new word? Uh, we, we just like words. Words are fun. We say them um, a lot, and we drink and come up with new words. No, uh, you know, edges was, first of all, again, we didn't want to carry things over needlessly from Reckoning. Um, edges were kind of a very specific thing that, that the uh, messengers, the heralds, kind of gave you this, like, hey, here's this tiny little edge that's going to put, you know, maybe not get you killed today. Uh, whereas endowments are, you know, like if I, you know, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it, but if I'm a member of a certain organization, the organization may have certain endowments, uh, that it gives to its members. Mm. Um, so we wanted kind of almost that clinical term. You know, it's like, well, I'm we're the Task Force Valkyrie. We're government bureaucracy. Here's your endowment. It's like, you know, it just sort of has that, uh, that you know, almost uh, bureaucratic tone to it. Definitely. I, I definitely enjoy the book. I give this book, um, let's see, out of five stars, I'll give it 4.9. I'll take it. I'll take it. Done. Mark, what do you say? Pretty good. Uh, I've really enjoyed what little I've read about it. I was looking over some of the uh, the conspiracies today. Um, the ascending ones, they really jumped right out at me. Uh, one of the old uh, World of Darkness hunter groups that I enjoyed using the most were the Iqwan al-Safa. They're kind of a bunch of Islamic witch hunters. And I was yeah, wondering see, if they were... Were they an inspiration at all for the ascending ones, or is this just a bit of kind of parallel well, development I mean, going there? Yeah, well, there's, not, there, there's nothing that's like a direct inspiration first of all though just to give you a quick heads up as to how the vigil kind of came to be and came into my my hands um justin mm -hmm. achille who um you know he's kind of old school uh white wolf guy and he um mm -hmm. he put together a bible and actually he posted that on his website which i think is justin achille.com yes um and he posted the bible there and it's this kind of it, it's you know this great giant mammoth um idea box for hunter the vigil um and it lays out Kind of the early seeds of the compacts and conspiracies as to what they became, and one one in there was sort of this uh, Islamic hunter group, and we wanted to kind of take that in a few different directions to give it a few different faces, um, and so the ascending ones sort of grew out of that. As for whether you know where the inspiration comes from on that, the, the great thing is there's so many different inspirations in this, um, mm. both quote unquote classic World of Darkness and um, you know World of Darkness Nouveau, we'll, we'll call it that. Uh, that there's a lot <laughs> you, can, uh, you can grab from. Very cool. Yeah, I like it. I thought. I mean, I would probably, I would probably gravitate toward conspiracies because I, I tend to, I tend to go for that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. The Malice Maleficarum, I thought was great. Um, yeah. The sending was like I said. Uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Greek one, but that looked pretty cool too. <laughs> uh, Aegis Kaidoro. That's how I always say. That's it. the one. There, there you go. There you go. There's the guys. Yeah, Spirit good stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Sounds pretty good. Well. Go out there, buy the book, support Chuck, so he can write many more fabulous books for us, because I know he's working on something which he can't tell us about, but I'm sure he's working on something right now. I'm working on a few different things, and um, I can tell you maybe a little, but probably not a lot. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, well see. That's going to end this segment. Uh, I can't. I look forward to playing it this weekend, and I'll I'll shoot you over something on uh, on Twitter if you... Uh, if you happen to see it, because I know you post quite a bit about your, uh, you have to, you write quite a bit. I noticed. Uh, me? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I write more than I probably should. Yes, I, I, I write a lot. On, I don't mean on Twitter itself. I mean just in general, you write quite a bit. Yeah, I uh, I try to write several thousand words a day, and um, you know, hit a target, and I have a lot of different projects kind of kind of moving into uh into spaces. So several thousand a day. That's uh, that's a good number. Uh, it's a, it's it's not too bad. It's all right. Yeah, I, if I could write more, I would. 
Uh, well, there you go. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter, Alucard D20. That's my name on Twitter. You can follow Mark on Twitter, but he only stalks Clive Barker. So I don't post anything. I just watch what Clive does obsessively every day. <laughs> it's quite sad, really. But there you go. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, you do not need to go to a meeting. We don't need to have an intervention. That's okay. Uh, where's the intervention not music? Yet, where's the intervention? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's get on to the uh, the. the question and answer part of the show that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, Yay! Questions! (laughs) And answers. And answers. Mark, you want to go with those first two? Yeah, sure. Um, So, you've mentioned, uh, alluded a few times during the show already that you came in uh, during the the run of Hunter the Reckoning. Um, Was that your your, your break into game design, or did you you get started in game design before that? how, How did you get how did you get your start there? Uh, well, I originally I did some work for um, I shouldn't say work. I mean, I posted some things to um, the website Ex Libris Nocturnus, mm. uh, yeah. and yeah. during that time, and it was it was mostly hunter related stuff that I was posting out there. And around about that time, there was a uh, hunter's all call, hunter writer all call, put out by um, Ken Cliff and Bruce Ball. And it was basically like, I think, write us a thousand words on why you'd be a good hunter writer or something. So I wrote this probably pretentious thing about um, uh, the internal and external locus of uh, control and how Reckoning was moving, you know, these characters control from an external affected by the world control to an internal. I can, you know, take my own life uh, and my own destiny kind of thing. So they somehow thought that I wasn't a complete douchebag and they gave me a word count. Uh, on a book, um, which was in that case, I think it was, I think I first started with Wayward, and then I moved on to the Hunter's Storyteller's Handbook. And the reason that they had openings on those books was because Mike Lee, who was a Hunter writer up until that point, became the developer for Demon the Fallen, and they had a space. So because Demon exists, I started writing for White Wolf. So I owe, apparently, Satan some sort of, I don't know, money, drinks or something. He keeps lists, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah like twice. Santa and Satan. <laughs> Yeah, well, we haven't haven't we haven't missed the uh, the correspondence there. You know, it's only one letter, and they both wear red. I, I know. So, uh... I know. <laughs> demons. <laughs> cool. Uh, so that was, I mean, that was your your break from, as it were, uh, fan to designer through uh, through the all call. Yep. Yeah, you got it. Cool. Fan to designer. So, how did you get into gaming to begin with? Uh, is it uh, is it a long running thing? You know, did you start with the the D and D red box like everyone and his brother, or did you get your start well, in another yeah, game yeah. system? I kind of started with that. Like, it was a sad, pathetic start because I had all the D and D books, and I would sit there quietly and read them and draw them, and I would imagine what a game would be like, and I had pen and paper <laughs> to make dungeons, and I would never play. Uh, in fact, it would take me years to actually end up playing a D and D years after that. Um, but then. I guess I was maybe like 15 at the time, which was, holy crap, like 18 years ago. Um, and a buddy of ours said, well, let's go to this game con up in um, Lehigh University. And we went up there and we played uh, Vampire, the Masquerade First Edition. And that was uh, pretty much the doom slide from there into my, <laughs> into my gaming. And there was Rifts <laughs> and D&D and so, you know. Cool. I'm going to... I'm going to jump just a bit because I'm dying to ask this question. Gotham Lord from our forums, who's hosting, by the way, a play-by-play game in our forums about uh, the mortals in the New World of Darkness, and it's based around Gotham. So uh, fans out there want to check it out and join in this game. There's still plenty of slots. It's uh, it's fun. I'm having a blast. It looks very it. cool. 
We're mm. moving along a little slow because it's a little slower paced game, but we're having fun. His first right. question to you is Is there any truth behind the rumor that August 5th was National Chuck Wendig Day? Uh, uh, yes, and it started, I think, last year. Uh, they, White Wolf, uh, terrified me and made me pee my pants a little <laughs> because I woke up on August 5th and I, you know, went to, like, you know, usually I went to the White Wolf website to go into the forums and on the White Wolf website, my picture was on the main page, like, staring back at me. <laughs> oh, you know, I had coffee and I was like, this is, I, I think I'm dreaming. I'm obviously hallucinating deeply because I'm looking at myself and it, he's looking back. So that's really, that's fucked up. Uh, so <laughs> at that point, yeah, then I learned that they did this cool freelancer holiday where they put um, the books I worked on, which is a, apparently a lot, um, on sale on DriveThruRPG. So they did it again this year. So apparently August 5th is now canonized as some kind of um, idiot's holiday for me. Yay! You get your own um, day. How cool is that? I know. I, I know. There's, there will be parades, sir. There will be parades. <laughs> but will there be a Snoopy float? They're not yet, but we're working on it, by God. <laughs> and if we can fill him with vodka and explode him at the end, we will. Awesome. So, that's right, Chuck. You're not too far from my house. we got to go to the bar. Nah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the vodka explosions. <laughs> now, that's right. <laughs> wow. And each, now, he, Gotham Lord also asks, uh, on the lines of the Hunter line, in the yep. future, I don't know, you might not be able to talk about this, but I'll, I'll ask sure. us anyway. Along the lines of uh, Witchfinder, Spirit Slayer, and start dealing with uh, any books dealing with the Changeling or the Fae coming out for Hunters, um, or is the line complete? Well, here's the thing. The line is largely complete, but of course I thought it was complete before, and we're getting one more book, which we'll talk about probably soon-ish. <laughs> um, so will there be a Changeling book? I don't think so. The, I mean, here, here's the kind of the thing if for some bizarre reason there was a giant groundswell of support for it and a lot of people were asking for it and a lot of people were buying a lot of Hunter products there might be cause for them to say well this is worth it, we're going to make some money on this um, even though Geist is out, we can still keep keep rolling out some cool Hunter products but Hunter's got a lot of support um, while it didn't get as many books as Changeling it got, I actually think, the most PDF alternative publishing support out of any game line yet so we've had a lot of books um, would I do a Changeling book in a perfect world if I were not only a freelance developer and I had magic bags of money? Yes, I absolutely would. <laughs> um, Changeling is easily my probably second favorite game of the whole shebang. Mm. And um, we, we still run um, a, a Changeling game all the way back to playtest. When we playtested Changeling um, The Lost, We've, we're still playing that game. And uh, the Hunter interactions with Changelings have been so sweet and perfect. There's so many stories there, so... Um, from your lips to God's ears or Eddie Webb's ears, if he's listening. Eddie Webb. <laughs> I, I've got your number, Eddie Webb. Changely book, Hunter. Call me. We'll, we'll do lunch. Good. Excellent. Well, actually, he said not to feed you, so there'll be no lunch in my I know, tonight. but I know. We've already broken all the rules, and like gremlins, I will multiply, so. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, if you do multiply, is there any chance the rumor of you working on a new mage book? Uh, I maybe could be. There is a mage book, and it's called The Chronicler's God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have done work for it. Are you able to to share any any tidbits on that, or is that all hush hush still? Um, I I assume it's still hush hush. Um, I can probably tell you that some cool people are working on it. I think Matt McFarlane was the developer on that, and um, I know he's a friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, I mean, yeah, you know, look, like all I can tell you is, well, well, sorry, what was that? We had I'm just saying, had him on a couple episodes. Yeah, it's great guest. Yeah, excellent. Um, the Requiem Chronicler's Guide uh, had a certain vibe to it, so let's assume that Mage Chronicler's Guide maybe has a similar vibe. 
Yeah, the the Requiem Chronicles guy was really well received uh, by all accounts. It's just chock full of different, you know, the old uh, fold, spindle, and mutilate uh, thing going on there. So it'd be nice to see that uh, for Mage too. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, along the lines of Mage, he also, Gotham Lord, uh, may add, wants to know if there's going to be any path books like you did with the Vampire Clans. Um, that would be awesome. I have no say or clue what's coming up with Mage beyond the Chronicles Guide. Um, I do know that the Vampire books, as um, done by, uh, as designed by Craig Grant, um, who is a, a who, he's a talented man. If you've seen the Clan books, because those are um, un. un unerringly the prettiest role-playing books I have ever seen in my life. I just want to hold them, and I want to pet them, and, and love them. And uh, so if George. Mage got books like that, I think that's only a um, good idea, but I, I don't have any idea. Sorry. <laughs> that's one game I really haven't uh, really haven't played much into as Mage. I know Mark is a big Mage, uh, the extension fan, so... Mark, you get me Yes, that? yes. Uh, I occupy a strange world that's part Ascension and part Awakening. It's kind of a turquoise purple thing. Uh, it's great though. It's a nice place to be. <laughs> That's cool though. That's good. <laughs> and uh, for his last question for Gotham Lord, he wants to know, uh, is there any uh, information on the Mirrors book for the Moral Wine that you can give us? Uh, yeah, well, I, I am developing that book. Mm -hmm. um, we have a great uh, team of writers, as usual. Um, we have some, uh, you know, some, some good guys on there. Uh, Wood Ingham and... Uh, Rob Donahue, uh, Ben Baugh. So I mean, we have some really solid uh, solid guys on that. Well, you know, uh, I can't tell you too much about it. Obviously, it's right. still kind of a veiled beyond secrecy kind of a thing. But, you know, you look at the name and you say mirrors. Mirrors kind of got this, you know, hey, what what do happens in mirrors? There's reflections. And if you look in a circus mirror, you might have strange reflections and new ways of looking at things. So mirrors might be a book about a new way of looking at things. Cool. Did you ever did you ever read those uh, two books by Stephen Donaldson, The Mirror of Her Dreams and A Man Rides Through? They're all about mirrors and magic and that kind of thing. Oh, well, yeah, well, that, that, you know, that, that kind of fun. Good. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, another one of our listeners, uh, Thantrax, uh, he's got a, a, a whole bunch of questions all kind of clustered together. Um, he he was asking what prompted the decision to write the new Hunter project in development. You know, was it was it overall book sales or a particular product you can point to. Now, yeah, you said that the uh, the PDF sales were uh, at least partly responsible for the the you know getting another book out out there. Is that something to do with it, or uh, um, you know, no, for chatter that new, kind of thing? Uh, the new Hunter project, I assume, he means uh, compacts and conspiracies. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah, I think part of it is definitely book sales. I think some of the um, the PDFs have done very well. Um, at least from my understanding, um, some of the PDFs, like I, I had written. Um, Block by Bloody Block had done, I think, very well. I think the collection of horror stuff um, by a whole bevy of writers, uh, like David Hill, just won a, um, an any for that. Uh, those, I think, sold very well. So there's a lot of great Hunter love kind of, you know, com coming uh, coming out. So, you know, I had long talked about this kind of, and long pitched this kind of idea that we need to talk more about the compacts and conspiracies. So, you know, Eddie, uh, Eddie relented and, um, you know, he, he, I guess he got tired of me sending, like, you know, uh, teddy bears with bombs in them and stuff like that. So, <laughs> cool. Uh, Thantrax also wants to know. I mean, he says, is, are there any ways that you can suggest that fans of the Hunter line who want to see more of it can show support? Now, I'm guessing at the end of the day, it's the bottom line: go out and buy books. Well, um, but, yeah, but, the bottom line is buying books and get other people to buy books and um, show yeah. your love uh, as much as you can. You know, obviously, if they if someone were to see some giant spike in, in internet traffic and 
Hunter the Vigil takes over the internet, great. But um, you know, buying yeah. books is the best. That's, the, that's what it comes down to. But are there other ways you can you can in, fans could in, indicate their interest more? I mean, to well, I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. just you know, um, get on if you have a game, get on RPG Net or White Wolf forums and uh, do an actual play. Get on actual you know play, right, yeah, blog yeah. and do a, uh, some fan stuff. You know, have have fun with it and be be vocal about your sport. And um, at the very least, even if that doesn't earn you a new book, it will earn you other vigil players who will talk to you about their games and they you, you know there's nothing wrong with sharing toolbox resources um and, and having that yeah yeah, yeah. cool so i mean uh, when when white wolf is looking at these things at the end of the day it's going to be the book sales but do do, do uh, things like forum chatter and actual play and, and, and online fandom do, do they push interest within the company an appreciable degree well, or is that always going to be deeply in the shadow of the sales well the the, the thing is Unfortunately, you're, you're asking um, the wrong guy. Uh, being a freelancer in Pennsylvania, I am completely you're disconnected away from, that, from the yeah, actual, okay. like, kind of the business side of things. Like, you know, I, I'm quote sure. unquote, uh, he's creative. He's probably drunk and untrustworthy in Pennsylvania. We don't we don't <laughs> give him numbers or math or anything like that. Hey. Uh, so I don't actually know how much it, I, I mean, I know it, it, it has to count to some degree because, you know, certainly, you know, fan surging gets, gets people interested in stuff. And I know, you know, like Eddie and, and, Ethan and Justin, they're on the forum, so they're seeing this. So if you know yeah. if people love it, well, they're you know that's a good sign. If you hate it, that's a bad cool. sign. I know. Yeah. I know. David's also from Pennsylvania too, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, and staying with the uh, the compacts and conspiracies thing, um, he was uh, Thantrax also wanted to know: Are we going to see uh, coverage of the compacts and conspiracies that are laid out in the core rulebook, or some new ones, or a combination of the two? If there's going to be old favorites covered there, are they going to get coverage for all of them or any some? You know, it's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, it is. It is a lot of ground to cover. And um, being the guy who's writing that, I'm noticing that it's a lot of ground. To cover. <laughs> uh, we are doing uh, the existing compacts and conspiracies, and we are doing all of them. Um, so that is all twelve. Uh, and, and I should okay. I should make it clear we're not doing the ones from the uh, supplements, only from the core. Now the thing is. Um, you know, part of why we wanted to do this book was it was like this, you know, there's all this great stuff that surrounds the compacts and conspiracies, and we kind of spread a lot of great little secrets out through the supplements and through the um, the horror recognition guide, but it was like, boy, there's still some really cool stuff we could talk about there. Like, we're not done. We're not done talking about them. Um, so that book is uh, definitely a part of what we want to talk about. Excellent. Okay. Uh on to Boggan Knight has a couple questions for you. Now, speaking about the hunter genre, uh, do you prefer homegrown heroes or a more organized approach to making your characters up, or how do you uh, like as, your game? Yeah, like, you know, well, you I mean, more organized, like, do I prefer my guys to be, you know, in, in organizations, or do, what's the, or do I do toolbox? I mean, I guess, what's the question? I guess, do you like your players to develop Along their own characters, or follow like a standard toolbox character. Oh no, yeah, no. I encourage my anytime you know I have my players, I want them to do whatever's best for um, them and their store and the story. So you know, absolutely, it's very toolboxy. Um, we bring a lot of new rules in, throw rules out. We you know, absolutely, homegrown. And his last question, I'm going to phrase it a little differently, but I'm a new player. You have Hunter the Visual. How are you going to convince me to play Hunter the Visual over any other games in World of Darkness? Well, it's a stupid thing, but I would ask you what kind of 
you know, Hunter game, Monster Hunter game you envision in your head, and when you tell me, I will tell you that Hunter the Vigil will do it. Because it will. That's the, I mean, Hunter the Vigil, we designed it as like a really, like, like what how what can't we throw at this well as it turns out we can throw almost everything at the at the book so any concept for hunter monster hunters that are i mean within reason you're like well i'd like to have you know blob men who come from venus well it's like yeah all right that's maybe not a, a monster hunter trope you're just making crap up now oh but you know, if you, so if you were to you know you know if you kind of go through that whole idea of you know all the way back to Hunter the Reckoning to the Inquisition to, you know, anything from the old World of Darkness, anything from, you know, horror comics, you can really do some cool stuff with Vigil. Vigil's very versatile. Vigil will do what you want it to do. Hmm. So the, the main attraction is that you can pretty much do whatever you want with this game and uh, yeah. enjoy. Yeah, as I said, it's the paint-with-a-shotgun approach. <laughs> I like that philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think of a, a few more questions for you. Uh, Mark, do you want to go in the next group? Yeah, um, a little last bunch here from uh, one of our listeners, Zorlak. Um, mm, a few more, uh, yeah, a few more general questions. He wants to know what was your favorite World of Darkness book, either old or new. Uh, Hunter ooh, um, old. Wow, jeez, uh, old. I really liked um, Walking Dead for you. You called it out earlier for Hunter because it was mm-hmm. the, it introduced Carpenter and that whole kind of great. You know, Orphic Circle thing. There was such a good story in that book, and it yes. really is what I think sold me on Hunter the Reckoning um, yeah. before I even got the core book. Um, as far as new, it's kind of hard to say. I, first of all, I feel kind of like a, a dick because I wrote like a lot of the stuff, <laughs> so I hate to be like, well, I really like the ones I wrote, everybody. <laughs> wink, wink, <bye. laughs> um, But uh, So pick something I did not work on. I will say, first of all, um, World of Darkness Innocence is brilliant. Mm. Um, everybody mm-hmm. who contributed to that, it's just such a creepy, fun, weird spin on the world of darkness a great um another good example of the toolbox approach hey here's a lot of things you can do and then the while i worked on some of them i didn't work on all of them damn it the uh the (laughs) clan books line for vampire again they are so so pretty um and they they do the great thing like the old hunter books like the old hunter the reckoning books you know they're about 75 percent cool uh, game fiction and artifacts and uh, very neat, you know, stuff you can pull out at the table and show people, and then a good twenty-five percent solid, deep, crazy crunch. So, cool. Um, uh, stay with New World of Darkness. Uh, what's what's your favorite game line in the New World of Darkness? Um, Do you have okay. one? It's a little well, bit I obvious, mean, I suppose. But <laughs> I know I really I vigil so much. <laughs> Let's just take Vigil off the table because I love it so much, I can't even talk about it. And the Hunter uh, Changeling. Changeling makes me so happy. Um, Changeling is great. Uh, every time I pick up Changeling, I have a thousand new stories in mind. Um, Promethean comes in close, but Promethean's kind of one of those games where it's a little like Wraith for me, where I pick it up and I'm like, I have one story I want to tell with this, and then when I tell it, I'm probably done. Um, whereas Changeling, yeah. I, just, I don't... And, and that's not a knock against Promethean. What it does, it does very well. Changeling is no, just like a mean, whole yeah. crazy grab bag of awesome, and every time I pick it up, I just want to keep running it. Excellent. Um, stepping away from the World of Darkness, uh, what's your favorite non-World of Darkness game line or, or gaming system? There are no other game systems, I, I heard. I heard they erased them. <laughs> no. Um, right now, I'm kind of digging on... Uh, I agree. What's that? I agree with you. They are erased, especially Wizards of the yeah. Coast. Yes, Mark, I'm taking a shot <laughs> at them again. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm digging um, 316 right now because it's such a... Oh, that's simple, great. That is so much fun. So, yeah. so good and so simple, but yet so complex. There's so much you can do with it, and it's so easy. Like, games, yeah. 
no, I mean, obviously, I like complex games too, and I like big, crunchy, you know, mammoth bludgeon of wildebeest books. But by the same token, it's this thin little like book, and you're like, what is this? Oh my god, I want to play this now. I can do it right now. I can sit down and I can just play it. Like, there's no, yep. it, not a lot of effort, and you feel like really, you know, satisfied. And the story builds as you go. It's just a neat system. Very, very innovative stuff. Oh, and, and I'd also like to call out to, um, you know, don't rest your head. I haven't played it. Oh, love but, that. Yeah, come on. So good. Don't ever rest your head. Right, that's that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, although Vince has taken a shot at them already, I'm gonna. Uh, the next question from Zornak was, what's your favorite edition of D&D? Uh, the old the old D&D, the AD&D, 3rd edition, 4th edition. That's Got right. a preference uh, there? Or? I'm calling you out, Randy well, I mean, Thompson. The old AD&D has its you know, place in my heart for, you know, sitting in, a, in my attic quietly weeping as yeah. I wasn't gaming with. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have not, I sadly have not played 4th um, yet, but I do like it. I think it's, um, you know, I, I like what it does. I like what it says and what it does, and it's um, a new look, and it's innovative in its own weird non-innovative way if that makes any sense so a uh, fourth edition yeah, definitely yeah. has a kind of a special uh special moment for me if i could just get someone to play it cool and uh, I don't live too uh far. his final question uh, sorry vince i said i don't live too far <laughs> <It's a joke. laughs> let's do it let's do it that's right and as uh, final question uh why do you love role-playing games um because it allows me to dress up as a sexy vampire nun uh no uh, <laughs> I um secrets you know, I revealed know. on about, darker days. <laughs> the thing about role playing games is kind of interesting. As, as an industry, it maybe feels like it's shrinking, but as a concept, it's doing nothing like that. Um, it's bleeding out mm. into all of our games, into video games. It's bleeding out into all this great transmedia stuff. It's bleeding out into um, you know the uh, alternate reality games you're starting to see surrounding um, you know certain um, IPs, certain properties that are out there. Uh, yeah. So you know, I like I like just the fact that you can embrace a new role and uh, get a new perspective on things. Excellent. Cool. Two more questions. Well, three more. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I've just added one. <laughs> you just added it. I'm never leaving. <laughs> never. Four again. more. Five. Eight. <laughs> uh, Twenty-seven and a half more questions to go. Uh, damn, damn. When is your next contest? And referring to contest, I mean the signed autograph book of the Night Stalkers and the Spirit Slayers. Or oh, you, I, well, first of all, I'm sorry. That means I have to plug my yes. other stuff. Uh-huh. That's, it's connected. Yep. Um, my friend and I, Marty, and Marty is also one of the writers for Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Henley. He, uh, we um, have been for a stupid number of years doing a uh, kind of a serialized fiction thing in a notebook called Shadow Stories, and we um, mm-hmm. we decided that hey, the internet was just invented last year. Why don't we Why don't we use that? Uh, so we put this thing online. And uh, it's at uh, www.thestoryverse.com. I don't think anybody actually says www. I think I'm like a really a dinosaur for even adding that in there. <laughs> uh, thestoryverse.com, S-T-O-R-Y-V-E-R-S-E.com. Um, <laughs> and when we first launched, we did a contest for uh, a free Spirit Stalkers or Night Slayers book. Um, so we are going to be doing another contest. We're on chapter, God, what do we post Wednesday? We posted chapter six. And I think we'll probably do a contest before Chapter 10. We'll, we'll let everybody know like the week before, and we'll post it on um, probably what will forums and obviously at thestoryverse.com if you want to go there right now. Uh, I think we might give away um, either another Hunter book or um, Werewolf Wolf Spain, something like that. 
Okay. Cool. Sounds good. We'll have to keep an eye on the, in the uh, Hunter forums. I know I've been watching that post every single day. <laughs> I would All right, have an very good. book, so, you know. And yeah, been... I think the next contest will be a little more um, creative. Other That's, than just post? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was it? Give us a teaser of something that you're going to be working on that we don't know about, if you can. Uh, game specific or just in general? Uh, game specific. White Wolf. If you can say uh, something. Well, I'm, you know, I don't know if there's anything I can really tease without giving away mm. too much. Um, well, I mean, game specific, we're, the, the Shadow Stories property we're working on, we are working on a game. I got together on Sunday and had a good meeting. Oh, uh, good. So we've got that coming. Um, kind of a very uh, loose, funny, um, science fiction satire narrative kind of game. Uh, so there's cool. that. Obviously, there's Complex and Conspiracies. That's a big one. Um, Mirrors is going to be a good one. Uh, I've got uh, Vampire the Wicked Dead, which if you want to read more about the Strix, well, then I'm your guy. Uh, that's in there. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm working on some TV and film properties, but that's not gaming. Uh, that's uh, There you go. There. I teased a bunch of things. You people, stop stuff. asking me questions. Who are you? How did you get in my house? <laughs> Uh, it's called the internet. No, I've never heard of it. I'm sorry. W W. Never mind. <laughs> three W's. The last in a world. In a world where there was three W's left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> last question. I I've asked this to everybody else. Household appliance. <laughs> if you could be one, which one would you be? If I could be a household appliance. Yep. And why? Oh man, you know I'm gonna go crockpot, and I'll tell you why. First of all. What crockpots produce are delicious, and you don't have to do a lot with a crockpot. You can just like, I'm going to put some pork in there and some garbage, and it will be delicious in about eight hours. Uh, and the nice thing is the crockpot is just really lazy. Like, he doesn't do anything. You know, like a microwave is there's like nuclear energy, and a toaster is like, I'm ready to pop this this toast, goddammit. But it, like a crockpot, you just sit on the counter, and it doesn't do a damn thing except to just slowly grow warm. It's like the greatest lazy. It's like a day on the beach for a kitchen appliance. That's my feeling. Awesome. <laughs> Well, we, Matt uh, actually said he wanted to be a toaster oven. Okay. And, That's and, fair. That's a good choice. Yeah. Nothing he, wrong with that. It's, it's like spicy hot coils. No, I get it. Matt's kind of a – he's a firebrand. I like that. That's good. And Eddie actually picked his iPhone, which really isn't a household appliance, but he's so obsessed Eddie, with it. So. Eddie was probably high on meth or PCP <laughs> at the time. You really can't trust what he says. At any given moment, he's, he's like – I think he's dangerously insane. So just watch him. Watch him. Oh, boy. Well, uh, that's going to pretty much wrap up the questions, unless Mark has any surprise questions, which I'm sure he doesn't. Mark? Oh, please. Uh, no, I have no surprise questions today. I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, uh, enjoying the uh, the whole household appliance thing. There, every time you ask that question, it cracks me up, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> I actually got that from uh, when I was in the college days, and I was doing uh, radio and TV. Uh, one of the people that I was working with, he's like, "We got to ask that question. It's the best question in the world." And I thought it was the dumbest question in the world, but it turned out to be the funniest question in the world. So it is a great question. <laughs> I agree. So I just went with it. All right. Yeah. Well, that's going staple to, of the show now. That's going to wrap up things for this week. Mark, how could you get? What's our email? How could you get in contact with us? Uh, you can uh, drop us a line at darkerdaysradio at gmail. Dot com. I thought maybe you lost us there. Now he just like yeah. I was like, I'm like, is there, is there more? I'm hanging on the edge of my seat. <laughs> or email dot what? My... Gmail dot donkey. <laughs> my plan know. eventually, 
my plan eventually is to have a good 20 to 30% of the show composed of nothing but silences and email addresses. That I think would be nice. good. Dramatic pauses for the win. Skype, yeah. Darkerdays.tk, that's Tom, Cat, for anyone out there who doesn't know TK. That's our website, or you can go to wildgamesproductions.com slash forums, sign up, ask questions. Next week, which we'll be back, yes, again next week, we will have Stu Wilson joining us. Oh, Stu, he's tenth show, yeah, yeah, he's like Scottish <laughs> or Canadian or something. I don't even know what he is. He's Micronesia. I don't know. He's a foreigner. That's what he is. <laughs> <laughs> and he is a listener of the show, so he will be getting back to you on those comments. By the way, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see, Stu Wilson. Actually, his secret identity is Steve Wilson. So please call him Steve Wilson, American hero. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He'll understand. He'll explain it. Just just bring up Steve Wilson. He will explain it. Mark, you got to jot that one down for next week. I'm jotting as we speak. There we go. Okay, and you can uh, contact Chuck if you really want to bother him. Chuck, just give out your uh, your plugs again. Uh, yeah, I am at terribleminds.com. T e r r i b l e m i n d s dot com. Uh, that's my website and blog and whatever you call that. Uh, and then our serial fiction is up at uh, thestoryverse.com. And then also two other White Wolf guys, um, Wood Ingham and uh, Will Hindmarch. We have a kind of a like a, just a place to deposit our short fiction and sort of you know talk about fiction and do all that great stuff at uh, jet-pack.net. Okay. And if they want to contact you directly. They cannot. Um, they must divine, um, uh, use bird entrails, or tea leaves would be the only way. Um, no, my website you can um, you can get me through. My website is probably the best and easiest way because I have like thirty thousand email addresses. So I shouldn't like put your email address out on White Wolf. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can try, but the NDA <laughs> hounds will tear you apart. Yeah, Sunder. that's true. And just so, just they on have a, ninjas for that, man. <laughs> just yeah, on do. a, a side do. note to the listeners out there, they have—I know—they've asked this question if, if we could pass along email addresses of the developers or the designers, and unfortunately, we can't do that. It'd be unfair. So, if you have any questions for them, just re- give it to us, and we'll relay it to them. That's going to wrap everything up this week, folks. Uh, this has been the Darker Days Podcast, episode number nine. The Chuck Man Cometh is going to be our title Woo. for this one. Actually, I like that. Thanks, Chuck. Thank yeah, you thanks for joining you, guys. That was good fun. And, uh, it was good talking to you guys. Thank you for showing up. No, it's cool. This have, is have me on again. I'll, I'll, yeah. All right, episode nine, you can come on with Stu. No. <laughs> Sweet. That's <laughs> actually episode ten. Fight. It'll be awesome. Oh, boy. That'll be for a special show and a special day. Uh, oh, this okay. is Vince signing off for Mark and Chuck. Uh, this is Darker Days Podcast, the unofficial, official podcast for White Wolf. Good night, folks. Are we still here? Oh, we're still here. (laughs) By popular demand, we're back again with our after show. (laughs) 
or our post show. A lot of people like the post show, the after show, because it just basically is just us. Non-White Wolf stuff. Exposed. Oh, boy. So, uh, today, I was, uh, before the show, I was rambling around. I had a computer crash. <laughs> so, I had A bad to, one? Uh, yeah, pretty bad. I lost quite a bit of things. That's what prompted me to, uh, make all those new nice little sound effects again. <laughs> I had to pull... I lost 500 gigs last month. Wow. Are you serious? 500 gigs? Yeah. Yeah, I had two, two external drives completely packed and a backup drive, and they all failed all on the same day. It's like, oh my oh. god, everything just like, gone. Did you, did you piss someone <laughs> off, like a, a, a god, perhaps? <laughs> I don't know what it was. It's, oh, well, that's it. Fuck now, mate. Okay. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, and I lost quite a bit of the sound, so I had to re redo all the sounds. I do need to get uh, one sound. Yeah, I'm calling you out. Beckett from the forums, contact me. Uh, that bumper that you had given me, uh, I need that again. So, and I know he was working on something else, possibly to hand into us, so we can do a uh, waddling. So. Cool. And that's not is that that's not the bumper that was from the other week, eh? The Monty Python one. No, that or was the, that was Bobby okay, Knight's one. Okay, cool. Uh, Beckett had actually sent in a bumper to me, a nice long. It was like a good promo bumper. I had it. And I wanted to use it, but the computer crashed, so I couldn't use it. Oh, okay. Yeah, man, send that one back. Cool. So, Chuck, what are you doing this weekend for the long weekend? Yeah, yeah, I don't even know. I'm working. Honestly, that's probably what I'm doing. I've got to, I've got to <laughs> crank out more of this compacts and conspiracies business. I've got script editing to do. I've got, I've got crazy. I'm busy. So, no vacation for me, unfortunately. Mm. The joys of the freelance writer are no vacation, no vacation, <laughs> work, work, no work. money. Yeah, work, work, work. It's the only way you get paid. Uh, good, good luck with it. I actually saw that yeah, cool. that David Hill actually posted something about let me write your game. Yeah. Yes. He. Um. Which I think he. Um. Was that I think serious? he covered it. Otherwise, I would pimp it here. But yeah. Uh, yeah. He. Uh. He. I guess he found himself in a. In a. You know, as we all do, sometimes a um, momentary money problem, and uh, he, by God, he was proactive and went to handle it and said, "I will write you game stuff. Pay me." And he, within like I think, within three hours or something absurd, he he had himself lined up for a month's worth of work. So. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, Mark, what are you doing oh, this cool. uh, weekend? Uh, oh, uh, sleeping, probably, once I shift this damn flu. Uh, the kid's gone back to school this week. Eldest boy just started uh, secondary school. Is that junior high? He's 11 or 12. I don't know what that's called in the States. Uh, yeah. He started today, yeah. And, like yeah. and my uh, my daughter goes back uh, tomorrow. So then it's just me and the two-year-old uh, knocking around the house, uh, which should be fun. Nice. So that'd be kind of cool. Most... Yeah, <laughs> just the boys. Uh, mostly, though, I'm, I'm staying off the internet. I had, <laughs> earlier this week, I got involved in a really stupid argument on EN World about fucking digital piracy, and uh, I wholly managed to embarrass myself, so I'm going <laughs> to stay the hell away from the boards for a little nice. while now, I think. Well, the good news is you probably weren't the only one, because that's how we all are when we argue on the internet, so... <laughs> well, I kind of, you know, I, when I get online, I like to sort of, you know, be a bit relaxed and be a bit positive and get my geek on. But it seems to be the case about once every 12 months, I just kind of flip out and go completely mad. And that was that was this week. So, you know, that's me good for another 12 months. So, uh, yeah. yeah, 12 months is good, though. It's For me, it's like every like 
36 hours, and it's not that's not healthy. So. <laughs> well, this this guy came on, and he was he was basically talking about how uh, as long as uh, he's bought the book, it's okay to to pirate the PDF of the book. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I'm not sure the guys that drive through RPG and RPG Now would agree with you there, seeing as that's how they make their living. But uh, yeah. right. I don't know. He wasn't you're having it, and I wasn't having it. Yeah, and you know, there's some pushing and shoving, and you know, tempers flared, and uh, there were names called, and moderators got involved, and so. Uh, I, just, yeah. <laughs> I just love the people like like on Eddie on his uh, blog White Wolf Blogcast. He was saying how uh, people blatantly say to him, "Oh yeah, I uh, I illegally down the PD- PDF. What are you going to do about it?" So he. Well, yeah, and sometimes they come to you and they say like, "Well, I'm I downloaded it, and isn't that awesome? I'm a really big fan." And you're like, "Well." Pay for that's it. Good, like, I guess. Thank you. Like yeah. that's weird. Like I just stole your car. I love it. Like oh great. Thanks for ripping so me off. Yeah. Car. Nice testing cars. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm mostly annoyed at myself because you know my 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 approach on it is uh, uh, arguing on the internet is it's kind of like taking part in mutual felching. You know, uh, it might seem like a really good idea at the time, but before long you're just going to wish you kept your mouth shut. <laughs> There you go. You should get a shirt made for that. Bumper sticker. (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, that's my lesson for the week. You will be sleeping, Mark, is what you're saying. Staying Mm -hmm. away from the internet. I, myself, will be, uh, on Saturday, I will be playing Hunter the Vigil. Excellent. Is this the the inaugural session, or... uh... Uh, This is the uh, prelude. We're going to get them uh, gathered up. Uh, I'm going to get them in there. I'm actually basing it off of... uh, Supernatural, somewhat, because I kind of like the theme going on with the hunters, like that show. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great show. I'm basing it somewhat off of that, and uh, hopefully, I restricted them to compacts, so they're not too powerful. Because I can't, see, I, I my group has been a pain, Chuck. I mean, I, I we're going from a D20 group that plays D and D nonstop, right? Uh, and D20 modern to uh, white to White Wolf games, and they're just like, you know, uh, ha-ha, I kill it, and I take the money off of it. It's, that's not the point of this game. <laughs> right. Where's his wallet? You don't get anything for that, yeah. Right, you don't. You can't steal their resource dots. Yeah, it's like, uh, he's like, when we played Inquisitors, he's like, I take his gold. I was like, okay. He's like, how much do I get? I'm like, uh, okay, 20 gold. How many dots do I have? 3d6. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't think about it. I'm sorry. It's not the point. He's like, well, I have, I have, I wasted, like, they wasted, when they made up their Inquisitor characters, they wasted four dots, merits, in resources. Yeah. I was just like, why? Well, <laughs> That's good money, yeah. Okay, you can buy everything, but can't do anything else. Right. <laughs> I can buy plague victims, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're doing a whole barbecue thing on uh, Monday. Oh, nice. Holiday. Hopefully you're not oh, barbecuing you guys have... your, uh, your gamers. <laughs> I'd like to. So you guys go to holiday this Monday over in the in the the states? Yeah, it's a little thing called uh, what's it called again? Uh, Labor Day. <laughs> Labor Day, curiously. Is it okay? We had one last Monday. We don't, uh, labor I don't know what it's for though. Yeah, Labor Day. We just don't uh. work on the Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, makes no sense. But that welcome to America. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going to unplug. Yes. Hey, thanks again. Yeah, no, thank you, guys. Yes, thank you for joining us, and we'll uh, see you next time. Uh, we'll contact you in the future for a future show, possibly. Do it. Yeah, do it. I'm I'm, I'm, on, I'm game for that. Thanks very much. Have a good night, everybody. Cool, guys. Take it easy. Good meeting you, guys. Cheer- Cheerio.